Hi, I'm Kate Conway and this is my podcast about moving on from challenges that for whatever reason have held you back or dragged you under for a bit. Life is short so we need to find ways to repackage what has happened and the pain and the anger and the sadness or whatever it is we've been left with and keep on living. Today I'm going to be chatting to Marty Stalker who's a scouser, he's a filmmaker, he lives in Belfast. He's also an ex-marine commando and suffered from PTSD and he's going to tell us about the treatment that worked for him and how he's exploring some unconventional forms of treatment and one in particular I will not be going anywhere near. This is crazy so they get a monkey frog from the Amazon rainforest like I, don't know I, why love I, I love this. I love this. Totally, totally, yeah, uh, batshit crazy. And Marty, I know you've been very open about mental health, and that's why I wanted to talk to you. But before we delve into the workings of your brain, I want to ask you about 2020 in general for you. How has it been? Yeah, 2020 has been uh, really interesting for everybody. But for me, some big events happened. My daughter started high school. I mean, I'm in between lots of work, bits and bobs. So uh, it capped off with the big COVID-19 malarkey. What about lockdown? Were you locked in? Were you able to work? What, what were you doing? Yeah, so I've, I've got, a, um, got a sort of like office sort of detached from the house above the garage. So I'm physically away from the house and I've got an edit suite in there and all my kits locked away in there. And I've got a little sort of cinema room for, for watching stuff back in the joy of what I do is homework is watching movies and watching TV. So it's, it's, it's great homework to have. Nothing's really changed drastically for me. But obviously, um, as, a, as a father of three, all this homeschool malarkey. And uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a bit of a... Each day was different. Each day, some days are better than others. And yeah, I think, I think also being off, being off social media for so long now, it's, it's a joy because I'm not getting other people's lives thrown into my face and how well they're doing and it's all fake as you know all filtered so it's been well, tell me about that tell me you're you're completely off social media yeah so since when three years three years yeah three years ago now so it, it just got to a stage where it was just becoming more of a negative impact on my life and and the film had just got released on netflix and it just people have a lot of access to your online and and people always say oh you should never read the comments and you always do you know and i unplugged Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter, and lost about sixty percent of work. Lost about sixty percent of my work through my own studio, and because you know I no, no longer had a digital presence anymore, and a lot of people, a lot of clientele were finding me through my digital presence. So it was a big gamble, but the positives massively outweighed the, neg- the negatives, you know. And 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 I sort of had to had to deal with that sort of loss in revenue with clientele and stuff but it was just it was just so much better unplugging myself from that sort of fake fake world and you know it was just I was becoming one of those sort of filtered fake egotastic filmmakers who sometimes my wife would say there were some weeks where we, I didn't even have, have enough money to buy a pint of milk so it was that fakeness which I had to sort of address very quickly and as soon as I did it I was actually in America at the time. I was in Washington D.C. on a corp, on a TV commercial job, and I, um, as soon as I did it, I went out for a jog in the morning. It was about sort of seven half seven in the morning, and it was like being in a science fiction movie where everybody were on the phones in the street and in Starbucks uh, at pedestrian crossings, and it was like I, I was the only one not on my phone, and it was a really weird um, sort of scenario. And then I was sort of cold turkey in for the first two weeks thinking, oh, no, my family aren't going to know what I'm up to. And after that sort of cold turkey sort of phase passed, it just massive benefits. You know, I wasn't waking up for work, reading tweets from people who thought my movie was shit on Netflix. It was just a joy to just start work with a really positive mindset. It was, I, I haven't looked back. It's been extremely liberating. When I was um, researching, stalking you for this. Stalking the stalker. Stalking the stalker. I thought, right... Let me have a look at the kind of films Marty makes. Because I wanted to kind of refine into a few words to say, Marty Stalker is a filmmaker who makes blah, blah, blah. But what you do is so wide ranging that I wasn't able to condense it. Tell us a bit about the well, kind it, of films you make. Well, people have been trying to label me all my life. So it's, uh, I've never wanted, I've, I've never been, no, I've never wanted to be pigeonholed. I came to Northern Ireland in 2008 and 
and the and I was trying to break into the industry, but the industry by that stage wasn't really that. It wasn't wasn't going where it is now. It was you know I think the Game of Thrones pilot was just starting to get made, and it wasn't really on the map with regards to TV and film. So I knew I couldn't pigeonhole myself too early, and I just threw myself in. I've always had a passion for filmmaking, and 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 I'm not one of these people that waits around for things to happen. You know, um, especially in this industry, your, your career is not going to suddenly land on your on your lap and and you know give you a pat on the back. You've got to go out and you've got to fight for your career, fight for that career because it, it's extremely. I'm extremely blessed to be working in this industry. And my ultimate passion will be to work in drama one day. Direct actors. I, I love working with actors and the challenges of working with actors. And my ultimate passion is is to ho- hopefully one day direct live action drama. My early career was music videos, short films, using my own money, you know, de- developing a great portfolio, working with actors, making massive mistakes with my own money. So when that time came, when I made my first film with somebody else's money, then I, w- I wasn't making those big mistakes and I didn't make those big, big mistakes. And, I, and it was literally, I was ready to go and I was ready to prove myself, prove my worth. And thankfully my, my, my debut film, Hostage to the Devil made quite a lot of money and it will continue to make quite a lot of money over the next sort of 10, 15 years. But this isn't your first career. Obviously, you've had another career and then moved into filmmaking. Tell us about it. I've actually had two. I'm, I'm, I'm 39 going on 14. I've already, I've already had two careers before this. So yeah. I've seen oh, the, two before this? Yeah, I'm a secondary school teacher as well. So What? Yeah, so secondary school teacher and a Royal Marine Commando. So it's, it's, it's been... I could have written three books by now. I'm not, I'm not sort of being arrogant there, but I'm just saying is I've, I've seen a lot of the world and I've done a lot with my life. So yeah, it's, uh, it, it's made me, it's made me the, I class myself now as a film director. It's, it's made me, my experiences in previous employments and, and, and around the world, it's made me the filmmaker that I am now because there's a lot of misconceptions about what filmmakers do and what film directors do. They just think they come on set and boss people around. Actually, you're actually leading people and you are a motivating crew and inspiring cast. And so it, it, it's all those sort of uh, transferable skills of being second to none for me right now. You know, I, I wouldn't be the filmmaker I am now if it wasn't for my experiences as a teacher, a high school teacher and primary school teacher and also in my military career. So it's um, partly how your military career has, has influenced your filmmaking that I wanted to talk to you about because of yeah. To Lose Control. Let's just listen to the trailer for Marty's film To Lose Control. I'm there. Keep it so going. You have to take a snapshot of that flashback and put a subtitle to it. Something that said something negative about you now as a person. What would you write underneath it? About me? Yes, something negative. I wasn't quick enough. I wasn't quick enough. For not being quick enough, what type of a person does that make you in your life? Unprofessional. So I left the Royal Marines after my second tour. So my second tour was in Afghanistan. So basically the Royal Marines for me was everything that I wanted to be and more. It was, you know, I always knew that I would always be in the front line and always be the first in, into the action and, and learned a lot of great skills, personal skills, and also, you know, um, like military skills as well. So it was everything that I wanted. I, I got to a rank that I wanted, I didn't want. I knew I didn't want to progress from that certain rank, and had had a great time. Kept the lads alive. That was one of the biggest things. Came home to pursue a filmmaking career, basically. But it's easier said than done. You know, twelve. I can say to you before, twelve years on, and I'm just at the start of my career. So mm-hmm. it's been a, a very patient process. Yeah. So you can imagine Afghanistan. I, I, Iraq was a little bit different. Iraq was more protection close protection bodyguard work 
patrolling convoys, boat patrols, etc. It was more sort of a security role. Mm-hmm. Afghanistan, it was more of a contemporary war fighting role. So we were, you know, it was literally like, you know, the let's call them the baddies, uh, whatever you want to take from that. So the, the the bad dudes are in one one sort of side of the the operating area, and we're on the other. And it was literally, it was lines of, you know, lines of defense, etc. So it was more contemporary war fighting. So you can imagine in Afghanistan, I, I, there was a lot of stuff going on daily, weekly, whatever. And um, for some reason, two years after I left the Marines, it was um, there was an there was an uh, an event that happened. There was a we call it we call it a contact in, in the military where someone gets hit. So from with my story, just one one day, like hundreds, uh, one of the Afghan policemen that we were working with was shot through the head by a, a sniper. Sniper round came in and, and we, we, we came under attack or contact, as we say. And uh, so to cut long story short, I, we all dropped, we all died for cover and the policeman was out was out in the open bleeding out and his friend was crying over his body and all i kept thinking was oh the guy the lad his mate's gonna get it now you know Mm -hmm. um by the same by the same shooter so felt a little bit helpless one of one of those moments where it happens so fast that you sort of takes takes a while to sort of collect yourself and then your training kicks in and and i was um trying to search for a medical pack and uh found one eventually and stopped me gloves stopped me gloves on and i ran out ran out ran out to him, basically drop kicked his mate often because <laughs> he was screaming and crying. So first thing to do was just I just kicked him out the way. And I dragged this big unit of a bloke. He was he was huge. He's about six foot two. Um a big unit. And I dragged him dragged him back into cover and put his head back together. It was like a small entry wound over his left eye and blew the back of his head out. So he he was he was like a he was he was yeah he was not in a good, not in good shape. So I put his head back together in the back, and I bandaged him up. Um, eventually, got him off the hill, and uh, into the back of the ambulance. And a Chinook came in. Um, yeah, and he he did pass away five days later. However, this was just a not. I wouldn't say normal, but it was part of parcel of being in in war and a theatre of war. And uh, yeah, just this one event. It, it was it was. I don't know why, but two years after, so I am now full civilian, and for some reason I can't stop seeing this policeman's face. So it's the image of him lying on the ground, gurgling, head wound. He's, he, he, I knew he was he was he, he was like like a cabbage. He he was really garbled speak. He was just looking at me. So he was look he was basically just looking at me all through this process of getting him bandaged up, and this was the image that I just couldn't get out of my head. For some reason, this was two years after I was fine. So just out of the blue, so you had been yeah. on a level for for those two years, was, and I, then I was absolutely fine. Yeah, two years, okay. two years on, I was absolutely fine. But for some reason, my mind started to repeat this guy's face, um, this policeman's face. So he was looking at me, and even when my eyes were open, I could still see his face. It was, it was just stuck. It was just really, I, I wasn't educated enough to understand what was going on, and I just thought, oh, I'm, I'm just must be going a little bit, a little bit batshit crazy. So I, um, it started to slowly deteriorate me as a human being. My mood, I started to develop mood swings. I, um, I started to distance myself from large crowds. When we were in restaurants, I would always have my back to the wall. I wasn't, I didn't subliminal. I didn't know I was doing this. This was just subliminal stuff, sort of a defense mechanism that was that was kicking off. And I, uh, yeah, yeah, just deteriorated me as a as a human being, and. Used to, I'd be on like public transport and I'd overhear conversations with, with girls or lads, you know, talking about really trivial stuff and getting annoyed. And I'm thinking, you know, they haven't, I mean, the, the tagline of the film is, you know, life is precious and they, and they have no idea. I mean, and they meaning, you know, people back home, you know, and, and it is, it's mm-hmm. life's life can be taken very quickly, uh, not just in, in war zones, but in, in, in life in general. So I used to get, I just, I, to avoid getting really irate, I would just not go out and I would stop going to family functions and gatherings and whatever parties, whatever. I just, I just make an excuse and, and, and just sort of just shy myself away from 
interaction with other humans. So, but on the outside, um, people still, even family and friends now, well, I still, I still didn't know you were dealing with this, you know, because for me, it was more of a hypocrisy of it all. You know, I, I signed up to, to be a soldier. I signed up to go to war. You know, what, I, I, I felt like a hypocrite for coming back and saying, I've got, I've got, I'm having problems because I, I 100% knew if I became a Royal Marine Commando, I even knew I would go to some sort of war zone in, in my career, 100%. So I felt like a massive hypocrite. So I tried to self-medicate through alcohol, um, tried to exercise more, but mainly it was just alcohol and booze. And uh, yeah, yeah. So just, um, but, but yeah, again, even to the day, to this day, you know, family and friends just didn't know because I, I, I was good at putting the front up, you see. I'm being all happy on the outside, but inside I was just um, just destroyed. And, and there were certain triggers, and there was certain documentaries that I watched which triggered his noises and smells. And yeah, it, was, it, it just slowly deteriorated and deteriorated. And my, my, biggest trig, my biggest trigger to get help was, I mean, at this time, this was a long time ago now. This was, must have been 2009, 2010. Even then, Combat Stress, who are a military charity here, were, were, were overwhelmed. You know, and that was, that was 2010, you know, so I had a six week waiting list. So I, I, I it was my wife at the time who, who contacted combat stress cause she could see, she could see the, the deterioration, et cetera. But it was a six, it was a, sorry, wrong, a six month uh, waiting list. So to be honest, at that stage, I needed help quite quickly. It was the biggest trigger for me was hugging my daughter, my, I, my eldest daughter just felt absolutely nothing for her. You know, there was, I was so numb. It was scary. It was so scary because I knew it was, you know, she was my firstborn. She, she just, I knew I, bes- I was besotted over her and you were a daughter, you know, and I just felt absolute nothing. And that was the sort of trigger to, to find help ASAP. And luckily my parents came up and um, organized some private therapy for me in Belfast. And I found a cracking um, counsel- counseling place called Anapsis which is in Belfast. To cut a long story short, I got cured through, mainly through EMDR. Got 100% cured. And, and the, thing, the thing was, my therapist, Sylvia, would say to me, once I find out what the cause of this is, once I find out the, what the mind can't, can't get itself squared away with, then it's like a switch going off. So you imagine the mind cycle is a continuous cycle in the head. It's continuously buzzing around. And if there's a little chink in that cycle, then it just gets, um, just gets out of sync and it, and it can't function properly. But she said, if she could, as soon as she pinpoints the, the issue with what I'm sort of dealing with in my head, then it's like a switch going off. You basically, it, it's literally that black and white. It's, it's literally, you know, that instance. And I was like, no way. I don't believe it. This, this can't be. So over time through EMDR, she would always bring me back to the event. So she'd always brought me, and it's headphones. You put some headphones on. This this is the digital um, version of it. So you put headphones on, and you hold two vibration pads. So you have one one pad on each hand, and um, you hear tones in either ear, sort of, um, and 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 you close your eyes, and and the vibrations are in uh, go off in your hands as well. And uh, she brings you back to the to the event which you're having problems with, and she keeps bringing you back to the events and just relive it and talk through. Yeah, just talk through what you're Yeah, talk through what you're seeing. And at first, the beep, the the monotone, the the beeps and the mon- it was so jarring for me. And she was like, you know what? Within the first 10, 15 minutes, I'm going to know if it's not going to work, if it's going to work or not. So I was I lay back in the chair and I start, and I was like, no, nah, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. I, I can't. I can't. I'm just it's just too erratic for me I can't I can't relax and can't concentrate and she went just just keep keep going keep going with it and see just bear with it for another 10 minutes and the next minute I, I yeah I was in I was in the matrix <laughs> how did that fit what do you mean you were in how, what changed your brain how, how did you it was, I, I just stopped fighting it I stopped fighting the tones that I was hearing the vibration in the hands I just stopped fighting it because it was alien to me at first it was like this is just really weird and I started to really embrace it and really sort of stop fighting it internally. So I, um, yeah, yeah. So it was, so yeah, it was scary because she brought me back and I was seeing details that I totally forgot about. And I was seeing stuff 
that yeah, yeah that very powerful stuff that I really I was only two two three years on but it was um so the big thing for me was when the policeman was shot in the head and dropped to the floor and when I we all died for cover I thought I was about sort of 12 15 minutes from the policeman getting shot to getting him bandaged up and off the hill which for me was quite slow I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, did, I didn't know this. I didn't know this until we started start the therapy. But I felt I was unprofessional for not saving him quicker and not getting him off the hill quicker, because though you know, I did feel like in the lull of battle there was a little bit of a, a lapse from myself, and I was, you know, I was, I was a corporal, and I, I, you know, uh, the police were looking at me to to see, deal with the shit basically, and um, yeah. So over time with the therapy we um we realized it was guilt so that was that was that was the the issue in, in my mind that was that was the issue that my mind couldn't get over two years on i, I, I mean yeah so i would never have i would never have extracted that from myself i'm not qualified and educated enough to do that somebody else had to extract that out of my 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 mind and it was guilt yeah i couldn't believe it i was like wow i didn't i've never i never really sort of thoughts about it like that and it purely was I just I felt unprofessional and guilty for not getting him off the hill quick enough um, I mean to be honest he was a he was a massive head injury head wound regardless you know but at the time it was yeah it, I, I was I, I, I was guilty for not saving him quicker so she did something else so the EMDR was working but she also did something called role play as well so she made me for me it was quite um, embarrassing because uh, as soon as I heard role play, I was thinking, oh, God, my drama sessions again from the mm. university. She threw me the pillow and said, look, right, I want you to clear the space in the, in the room. And I want you to go through, physically go through the actions of when the policeman was shot to getting the bandage on his head. First so act it out. Yeah, role play it out. I felt like a right dick doing it, but um, no one was there to see me. So right. she made me do it six times and she timed each one and she averaged the time at the end. and. From me, from the guy getting shot in the head to me getting them off the hill or getting them bandaged up was something like average score was about or average time was one minute 36, something like that. One minute 33, whatever. And she looked at me and she said, one minute 33, you were quick enough. You were professional. You did all you could for that policeman. You know, and it was another reassurance that, you know what, that was quite quick considering we were in a contact and shit was going off. and uh, Your brain were, had been telling you it was 15 minutes? Yeah, 12, 15 minutes, I thought, from, yeah, contact to getting them off the hill. So it all totally made sense. My mind, the chink in my mind cycle repaired itself and it started to function again. I mean, it wasn't that quick. Um, however, yeah, the guilt, the guilt of being removed, I could function again as a human being. I sort of came away from this experience and I was like, holy crap, that was incredible. And I was seeing stuff as well. I was, I was seeing back with the EMDR, I was starting to see positive imagery. So the, for example, this never happened. But during the latter stages, when we, when we sorted out the guilt, the guilt issue, I started to see the policeman and the friend that was crying over his body. I started to see them both. They were both stood up and they were both hugging each other. And then they turned and they turned to me and smiled. And it was a situation where it was a feeling in that vision where they looked over at me and said, look, you know what, you did, you, you did, all, you did all you could. You, you, you did all you can for us. And, you know, it was like a little, it was the first time I'd seen him at peace with me and with the whole situation. So it was a really powerful, it didn't happen, just the EMDR. This is how it started to attach. In the session, you saw this then? Yeah, within the EMDR session, yeah. So okay. after the role play, sort of t towards the end stages of the therapy, I started. I went back into the EMDR sessions, and, and um, every time I would see the guy's face, now it would always jump to him standing with his friends, smiling over at me, <sighs> and uh, very powerful stuff. So I'm I'm coming away from this experience, going, I need to, I need to get this on paper. <laughs> this is just what I've just experienced here is uh, is powerful, and if it can teach and get other people to to go and seek the help that i i saw then then go for it so i put pen to paper 
took me about a year to write the script to do it justice. I stupidly got a, a loan out. But regardless of that, a lot of crew and cast um, massively helped me out. The lead actor, Chris Simpson, actually became a really close friend of mine. He spent 18 months um, in preparation for the role because he knew it was my life and he knew it was a small chapter of my life that he wanted that, that he was going to be playing me, basically. So he was paranoid in the sense that he wanted to get it right. I'm, I'm a director who likes actors who can act with their eyes. I don't care what's going on around them. Don't care what's going below the eyes. You've got to, you've got to be able to prove to me that you're this character just with your eyes. And not many people have that innate ability to do that. Chris was somebody who wanted wanted to get that right. And if if it's a scene where you know my character is looking out of a window at his daughter in the garden, you don't just get an actor to come down and sit in the kitchen table and look out the window. They've they've got to be well prepared for what does this scene mean. What internally is happening right now in the scene? God bless him. It took 18 months he did preparation for um, for that role, and he absolutely just blew it away. Um, he, you know, he's, he's gone on to greater things now, but we bonded naturally and became really close mates um, as a result of, of of casting him in the in the short film. But yeah, massive um, massive help through crew friends of mine who did it for free and cast with reduced fees and just massive help i couldn't have done it without them you know what i mean so and it took me about in all it took me about two years to make and it, what a chapter to go out on it was um to, to, to create content and to um to get something made um around that was uh was a was a dream come true really and obviously well i mean you're the only person i have ever heard talking about emdr yeah. and yet it seems obviously incredibly effective but is it something that works for everyone or i mean it was it worked beauty for you but is it something that works in every scenario no no so when the film came out i got a private message from a, a british soldier who said emdr sends him batshit crazy so okay so the big the biggest so, so the massive misconception is one fit one mold fits all but in therapy mm -hmm. it doesn't everybody every single person on this planet is unique in how they respond to therapy treatments so sylvia my therapist said to me from day one uh I'll know within the first 15 minutes if it's going to work or not. Mm -hmm. So she would have moved on to something else. Well, if I, just, I just couldn't get it. Had you tried anything else? Was that the first thing? Had you um, tried medication or other counseling? Yeah, me medication was presented to me. I just didn't want, I, I just, just didn't want to do it. I didn't want to go down that, that route. And, uh, and typical bloke, soldier, whatever you want to label it as, as soon as I mentioned formally controversial treatment. I was like, yeah, I want to do it. Don't know what it is, but I want to do it. And she was like, right. what? Don't you, don't you want to hear what it is? No, no, you said it was, it used to be extremely controversial in, in the past. I want to do that one. So um, yeah, so just, just being a, a dickhead bloke, really. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just thought to myself, I just thought of, I just thought to myself, if I'm going to do this, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's go to the top shelf. That's not- I'm all in. Around. Let's, yeah. let's, let's not mess around with the bottom shelf here. Let's do the whole top shelf. <laughs> <laughs> Further to that, other, other films you've made, have you explored sort of mental health issues through other films or is it something now that you've kind of locked away and said, right, okay, that's that done? Yeah, so I wanted to do a documentary about sort of PTSD, but what I found out years ago was PTSD with veterans was, was quite a... There's quite a lot of material and a lot of content getting created around that sort of subject matter. Subject matter. So I, I was I was pitching my project in a, in a massive sort of crowd of of similar projects. So okay. I've uh, I, I've come away from the whole veteran angle now, and I'm I'm doing I'm working on a documentary at the moment called Peace of Mind, with a friend of mine called Jason Fox from the SES Who Dares Win show. I know who you and, mean. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, um, yeah, we're working on a, a sort of a, a documentary about dealing with trauma. So, because uh, as you know, Foxy's, Foxy dealt with his trauma by literally just walking through through the park with his therapist. Obviously, there was more to it than that. However, you know, he had more of a holistic sort of approach to his therapy. And walking through the woods, you know, and, and it was, was what extremely, basically what worked for him, um, along with other things. But... So we're looking okay, at wait, a project. Back up, back up. Um, yep. So Jason Fox, I, I, I've kind of brushed over the fact that I'm like, I know who it is. Because he's in SAS Who Dares Wins with yep. your man that runs around in the rain. And, um, but, Shouts a lot. <laughs> yeah. You, you said that 
um, he, so he had, he had sort of mental health challenges and he dealt with it by walking in the woods. Yeah. With his therapist. So, uh, obviously it was, it was a lot more structured than that. However, he felt being outdoors with, with his therapist who like, like my, like my, my own therapist extracted things out of him, not in a room, but in, a, in the woods. You know, okay. on the route to the woods. Um, that sounds good. So he, yeah, you always say he's a bit of a hippie at heart, that kind of stuff. So, so we're look to 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 carry on with that theme. We're looking at basically non non medicinal treatments out there at the moment to treat people with trauma. So we're not just looking at veterans, but we're looking at people with sexual abuse victims. We're hopefully going to get um, like a, like a first responder who's having some mental health problems, you know, just, just, just not, not when people always think of PTSD and trauma, they always think of veterans or, you know, there's a, there's many people out there who are, who have, who are dealing with trauma, you know, it could be, um, just stuff they've seen in their life, domestic abuse, et cetera, et cetera. So well, it's yeah. a documentary looking at what is out there, what is non-medicinal. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's, well, I would say it's anti-pharma kind of, content but we're just proven that you know you don't have to take pharmaceuticals prozac antidepressants to 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 get through the other side there are plant-based medicines there are legal approaches illegal approaches there's so much out there where i'm not saying i'm going to educate people but i would like to just show people there are there are alternative methods out there um to to dealing with your with your trauma so it's been a fascinating project. So I'm sort of six, seven months in with that one. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a great journey so far. It's been educational for me as well. Because in, you know, in the old days, you just go to a GP and I'm having problems and then he'll, he'll, he'll she'll just, because you know, they've only got 10 minutes with you, they'll just you know, write your prescription for all sorts of shite. And uh, unfortunately, that shite goes into your body and, and your organs can't get rid of it because it's man-made shite. What we're trying to do with the film is to show that there are alternative means uh, I, I, I was pulled up, actually. I, I, I called them unconventional. And uh, one of the characters in the film, Tom, actually corrected me and said, these, these aren't unconventional methods, Molly. These, these methods have been around for hundreds and sometimes a thousand years. You know, hundreds and hundreds of years. These are methods that have been around for a long, long time. Like pharmaceuticals have been around for, what, 100 years, 100 odd years? So mm. being schooled myself, being educated myself. So it's, um, it's, been, it's been a fantastic journey so far we haven't even made we haven't even started to make it yet this is just my research phase so um i don't know i'm not sure what fox is in for but um he's uh he's up for it well do you think that um it might help people who are hesitant to go to their doctor because i know i know a lot of people who have um you know mental health challenges for whatever reason um don't want to speak to a doctor about it and they they sort of withdraw do you think that this might, some people might be more keen to say, oh, do you know what, actually, I'll try that, or? Well, they're going to have to go to a specialist anyway. You know, yeah. All but the stuff that we are. To, is it, does it seem less sort of, um, I don't know, I think, I think in Northern Ireland, I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe everywhere else, we have a terrible stigma about putting your hand up and saying, this is, this is how I'm feeling. This is, you know, I this doesn't you know my, my my brain isn't working the way i would expect it to or the way i would like it to um because sometimes it's it's easier for us to kind of just hide it away rather than face it do you think that this might be an easier way to face it than actually going and sitting in a doctor's office yeah 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 so i think i think first and foremost people have just got to come forward and, and actually put the put the hand up and say look i actually i actually have a problem like you mentioned mm. there's a lot of people who are just just mask it and you know hide it away in 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 the darkest corners of the consciousness so it it will always reappear appear and manifest itself into something it will always reappear you know you may you may have i mean i was having problems two years after the event i wasn't i wasn't i wasn't I wasn't planning on dealing with it. I wasn't expecting it. It just happened two years after the event. Some people are different. What the film Peace of Mind is going to do is, is one, show people that they're not on their own, that there are lots and lots of people who are dealing with all sorts of issues and problems, not just trauma-related. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so. Practically everybody, yeah. But also to come, to come forward and, and, and you know, a lot of the stuff that we're going to be looking at is 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 some of it is group group based stuff which 
some people will be, will be scared of. But um, like, for example, ayahuasca, we're going to be looking at, which is illegal over here because it's classed as a psychedelic. But um, we'll be going elsewhere to obviously to, to film to film the ceremonies. And, and that very much is is a um, is, is a collective group experience, whether you like it or not, you know, and um, it's it, it's it's an extremely powerful, powerful ceremony. And then you look at things like Cambo, uh, which is legal, which is the, the monkey frog poison. No, I've seen, a, I've totally seen something strange. you've made about this already. So tell yes. us about this. This really interests me. So this is crazy. So eight years ago, a guy I actually worked with, he's an actor in, in Belfast, Tom, very, very, very good actor. And uh, he wanted to kill himself and uh, was going to do it. And went on YouTube and found, I think it was Sting on a playlist. Sting was talking about going to Peru and, and taking an ayahuasca ceremony and it's all DMT and psychedelic trip and all this stuff and, and reconnecting with his spirit molecule and all this malarkey. Tom was a bit like, you know what? Before I, uh, as he would say, neck himself. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Uh-huh. He, um, no, he's so, he's so down to earth about it now. He's, he's an incredible, incredible person to, to shadow over the last sort of six months. He's just so open and honest about everything and very down to earth. He, uh, he, he actually did a, his first ayahuasca ceremony and also did a cambo ceremony. Uh, and and to, to this day, he will tell you that it's, it saved his life. It 100% saved his life. He was extremely depressed, depressed man. And um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Cambo is where they. It's, it sounds it sounds absolutely batshit crazy from a, from a Westerner's point of view, and somebody who hasn't really um, read or seen any of this sort of alternative treatment. But they get a monkey frog from the Amazon rainforest. Like, <laughs> I, don't know I, why love I, I love this. I love this. Totally, totally, yeah, uh, batshit crazy. You get a and, monkey uh, frog from the Amazon forest, as you, right? as you do, as mm-hmm. you do. It's not like you can go around the corner and get one from the spa, like, but uh, no, it's um, so they get it from the from the Amazon rainforest. They, um, I've seen I've seen it done. It's it's when when it's nervous, it secretes or or, or scared of its life, it secretes a poison on its skin. Mm-hmm. So it uh, that poison is extracted and basically it dries to a piece of wood, mm-hmm. like like varnish, basically on a piece of wood. And um, when the time comes, the um, where when you add water to it, it reactivates and you basically it turns into like all I can explain is like a snot kind of um, look and texture, etc. So what happens then is the um, when a person wants to sort of purge themselves and to give themselves like a, re- a physical reset. So imagine the human. So I, so I'm I'm nearly forty now, and over that forty years on this earth, I've I have inhaled a lot of air pollutants. I have you know, uh, I've had, a, had vaccines, had shots for all sorts, you know, and within those vaccines, you've got those metals and man-made substances, et cetera. Um, I've, I have done also done recreational drugs in my time as well. So a lot of that, you know, for, for example, cocaine is, 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 is riddled with like petroleum and or diesel, whatever it is. It's just filled with horrible, horrible stuff. Um, a lot of man-made sort of stuff in there. So the human body, so when you, when you meet a middle-aged person, that's why they look so paid pasty looking but they've got all, all these metals in, inside them that the, the human body the liver the organs sorry just can't get rid of so what this poison does is when the practitioner burns a hole into your skin with a little um it's, it's like a stick from the amazon again you, you heat it up and you um you basically break break the top layer of the skin and then you you apply the poison to it it absorbs into the bloodstream and what it does is it centralizes and cleans filters out all those organs and centralizes all those toxins into the gut area so it feels like you've eaten like a, a bad bowl of oysters it feels yeah it's it's pretty minging it's very and you get hot and you get sweaty and um you've got a big bucket in front of you and you basically vomit all out into a big bucket so mm-hmm. the reason why i'm looking at this in my documentary is Tom, the practitioner, would say that you can sort of tell about a person's life by the sort of color of the first bucket. The darker the bucket, the more sort of trauma they've sort of had to deal with in their life. Okay, so how does, how does, how does that relate to the trauma? Because it sounds more like it's physical toxins you've taken in. How does the, the color relate to the trauma? It's all linked. It's all linked between negative energy and, 
sort of the color of the toxins in your body and mm-hmm. yeah extremely so so i um wow. I, I was yeah so i was sat there i was thinking you know what i'd be a bit of a hypocrite if i didn't try one of these treatments so um yeah so just after christmas there i had my first cambo cleanse and it was just absolutely crazy and don't get me wrong you know i've researched it all there was a fascinating um study done in queens of all places queens university looked at the, looked at the cambo cleansing and the, looked at the peptides and the poison and and extremely positive about the report about what it was doing and, and to the human body etc and and uh, i tried it and when i stuck when i vomited into the bucket so tom stepped back and he was the big thing out of his mouth was how are you still functioning how are you a still functioning human being with the, the, the it was like mahogany brown and he'd seen a lot of vomit buckets in his time and he was like that is a, just a crazy color it was it was foam and throth it was it was not nice in that bucket it was it was just pretty horrendous yeah he was he was shocked at the color the color of the bucket well shocked more in a sense that i was still a functioning human being you know but from the color of it so I'll tell you now, I'm not, I'm not making this up because I'm making a documentary about it, but all I'm saying I, I'm still objective to this day. I, I've had chronic heartburn since I was 16, and um, I had lower, really bad lower back pains from a few dodgy parachute jumps and um, knee pains from carrying too much equipment on my back for so long. Yeah, even after my first cleanse, uh, my heartburn totally destroyed, totally gone, removed. And I, was on, I, was, I used to take a meprazole for my heartburn, because nothing would work, Gaviscon, all that, all that, all that crap wouldn't work. So I, I, I think it was two, two and a half years taking this emeprazole, which is, you know, um, obviously mustn't be good for you. Totally removed. I had bloating problems. It wasn't IBS, but it was close to something like IBS. I, I used to bloat up after every meal time, and and really had bad issues. I used to take peppermint tablets and all that stuff, and it was just, yeah, it was just, it was just a bad time totally gone so so now i'm even going out now running with weight on my back again for the first time in a long time it's worked for me i'm amazed by what it's done to me it's given me a physical reset which i didn't think was possible at 39 going on 40 if you get away from the fact that it's a it's poison that you're putting into your body if you get away from that that, that that's that's how you have lived so long on this on this earth and this is just alien this is just strange to put poison into your body if you get away from that sort of those misconceptions and that, that kind of framing of it all and go for it it honestly it's just really for me it's not it's not the thought of it being a poison so much as all the boken because more than than just boken i'm I'm out both (laughs) this is delightful so on my on my fifth i did my fifth last week last friday i did my fifth clambo cleanse and i was on the bog and vomiting into a bucket just like back university days to be honest (laughs) But I, I don't know, Marty. You see, you you did a post about this on LinkedIn that I read, and I thought, "Ooh, Cambo," and it's an, a frog from the Amazon. And then I got to the point where you started talking about the purge, and I thought, oh, "I'm a bit too galgorm for this. I think I'll stick to Reiki." But um, it, it, it just to me, it sounds so. Um, it just sounds physically horrible. How long does that go on for? I mean, is it days? No, no, no. So you, it, it's so as soon as the poison goes on. On, on wherever you, wherever you, I know some women have it because they don't want to people to see it on their arm. They they, they put it on um, on the on their back. On their on, if I'm going to go through that. I'm going to tell everybody about it. It's on my arm. I'm going <laughs> <It's like, laughs> to like, like a badge. Yeah. What's that? Like we burn your arm. Oh, well, we'll tell you. I did this Cambo thing and I booked in a bucket and then pooed in front of this man. Me <laughs> <laughs> Belfast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other thing because I watched the video. Um of tom and you do yeah. expect that you know tom who's like this campbell practitioner is gonna be like like sting funny you mentioned sting yeah, yeah. And, but so, yeah. tom really I'm is the fairies. furthest thing let's actually just listen to the teaser trailer for peace of mind so we can get a bit of an idea of who tom is Combo. it's going in it's clearing the sewers out it's clearing the tubes and the pipes and the you know it's cleaning the cellar out it's getting in behind the oven and giving it a good hook. Oh, he, he's he's rough as he's rough as the badger's ass. Yeah, he's uh, he, he is what you see is what you get with Tom, which I love. He's not this sort of uh, hippie guru floating around the room. You know, he, it's Tom. It's uh, he gets the job done. No bullshit. You know, he's extremely knowledgeable. He's he's sort of being my sort of guide 
through this um, from the start and I knew from the first time reconnecting with him again I knew he'd have to be some sort of main main character in this documentary he's just um plus he's an actor so he you know he, he's good with the lens if you know what I mean he, he's um he's a performer as well which which but he's authentic and uh, he's been through this journey himself so and he's come out the other side um, but let's take it back to the actual God. what actually happens he burns you okay so then the, the poison goes in and then how do you feel well, you get smudged. You get smudged first. So I, I <sighs> back what's that? Well. So the smudging is it's like they they burn they burn um, this this substance when they when they, they put smoke around you. It's it's, it's to, to you know to chase away negative energy and you just got to go with it, man. Just oh, go like you would it. do with sage and stuff. <laughs> sage, exactly. No, I'm right. into that bit. I'm into that bit. I can oh, get, yeah, yeah. get yeah. on board with the burning of the sage and the smudging. And. Not everybody can do cambo because I speak to Tom anyway. He's got a checklist and he and he'll. He, not everybody can do cambo. There's certain um, ailments and certain things that um, you're not allowed. You, some people aren't allowed to do. But you've got to fast fast beforehand. I think it's eleven hours, which is not 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 bad at all to be honest. Because you sleep sleep on most of it anyway. And um, you've got to keep the water in you throughout because you are obviously purging a lot of liquids. So you've got to keep the water through the system. What do you mean? As much as Don't you can. pee. But, no drink. No, you've got to keep drinking. Oh, keep drink drinking. water. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, keep keep, keep hydrated, and then um, yeah, so they um, burns the holes wherever you want them in your arm, wherever you want them, and um, he starts off with a few dots of poison first, but as soon as the dots go on, um, you go into the bloodstream, the the intense heat um, happens quite straight away, really, and then um, yeah, so you're sat in the chair. And you just feel, you just feel like it's scanning your body. It's incredible. You just, you, you know, something aliens entered, entered the body and you just got to, I'd say the first two cleanses, I was sort of fighting it a bit. Um, the, the last one there, the, my, my fifth on Friday, I was really, I really embraced it this time. And I really I stopped fighting, fighting what was happening and went with it. And, Cause it's still quite, you know, it's quite a, a obtrusive treatment. And um, yeah. So for me, the last few have been brutal with a sense of it's come out both ends which is which is great from tom's point of view because it's just um it's purging purging a lot of uh not well not to his toilet but where is this uh, happening by the way i mean where he's belfast in his little little apartment in his apartment <laughs> so i went to his apartment he's ground floor apartment this is what happened um right keep going so so you do you 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 have a good old vom uh, women are better than men on it, to be honest. Well, Tom, mm-hmm. what I would say that his his female clients are a lot better at dealing with the vomiting, but um, that's um, for obvious reasons because you're a lot tougher than us. And um, so the first purge happens, and then he'll ask you, you know, do you feel do you feel there's still something in there that wants to come out? And you're like, well, naturally you want to say, no, it's all out. I want to go home now. Mm-hmm. But you got to go with it. And um, what he'll do then, he'll, he'll reapply water to the poison, which activates the poison even more. And then you have your second purge, or he puts more dots on you. I'm I'm up to about eight dots now on my arm, and um, I'll probably go to about ten, and then that'll be my cut off, um, the ten dots. And then um, I'll have no I'll have no arm left. No, I'm worried about your cuts. Armful, armful of dot, dots. Mm-hmm. So, so what's going to happen then is, what 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 he would teach you is, you've got to keep going until you're running clear. So what he means by that, the color of the vomits that you're that you're purging out of your system. So so for example, the first one was like dark brown mahogany, and it was it was full of it was full of horrible stuff, you know, really bad, nasty stuff, which was obviously in my gut and my organs, and it was just horrendous. My second one, the third one were sort of, um, I'd say two, three, and four were quite dark, really mustardy, yellowy color, and. And my last one was pea green on Friday. Couldn't believe it. I was thinking, I'm going to be running clear now. I'm going to be running clear now. And it was pea green. It was crazy. I was like, what the fuck? And Tom was like, no, stay with it. You know, keep, you know, come back, come back until you're running clear. So he'll, he'll sort of do, he'll advise you to do three or four. If you really, if you've got a really dark bucket, he'll advise to do three or four cleanses in the first month to start running clear. And then if, as soon as you're running clear, it's literally once every six months, maybe not even. So it's not, it's not, you know, you're not doing this every week or every month. Um, you know, it, it, it's once you start running clear, that's you full reset. Um, and then just keep coming back because over time you're going to pick up a, a further pollutants, etc. So yeah, so the aim is to keep going until you're running clear. And then, um, yeah, it's, um, 
he's had his clientele or you know heroin addicts uh, it's it's funny because he had a female client in recently who hadn't done cocaine in so many years and in that bucket it just stank of diesel you know the fuel they put in cocaine and mix it with and it was incredible and she was like flabbergasted she was like oh my i haven't taken cocaine in nearly 20 years this is crazy and, and it's because the body couldn't get rid of it it's it, it, it's it's not natural so it's all so just lingering around in your all system. inside it's all inside here yeah. all inside it and she 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 was just you know blown away by it but um tom tom would say even after the first cleanse people see a massive improvement and and, and for me after my first cleanse to be objective about this i did feel like i i was uh, on a massive ha- had a massive hangover because i was in shock my body was in shock this was not normal you know this is not you know this is not normal protocol really to to put poison in your body but then after the first two three days i was i was firing on all yeah i was it was amazing you know yeah. big thing for me was the heartburn being removed uh, well yeah but i wanted to ask you the, mentally what was because obviously you've talked about the physical sort of relief you know with yeah. the, the heartburn and and then your back's better and whatever but but mentally yeah, it's all linked. Yeah, physical and mental, the, the, the physical and the mind are all linked anyway, as you know. So it's um, yeah, I was getting out doing. I was just yeah, I get like I said before, get running with weight on again and just getting out and exercising, and it was um, it was brilliant, and um, yeah, feel feel great, you know, and um, collect, and also been off the booze. I've been off the booze since January, seven months now. So it's it's, it's all it's all part of the part of the experience, but um. Tom would say he's seen he's seen massive improvements in addicts and um, and people with trauma dealing with trauma still you know seeing massive improvements with especially with a lot of clients who have taken pro, a lot of Prozac and a lot of antidepressants and they've got all this stuff in their in their system which they, they can't get rid of he he's helping them purge purge of all this horrible crap which is all connected couldn't believe it you know I I knew I had to do it for the documentary but I haven't looked back it's been extremely insightful. Are there any other treatments as extreme as this that you're going to look at? Well, the psychedelics, so magic mushrooms. Oh, yeah. The, the ayahuasca, the DMT. Um, yeah, so it's the, like the, the MDR all over again where you're like straight to the top shelf. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, yeah, I know it's that sort of shock and awe with TV in it. It's like, you know, I know Channel 4 are obsessed with, oh, show me the shock and awe. And, you know, sometimes it's, it, it's too um, sort of staged and scripted. But with this... There's a lot of misconceptions surrounding psychedelics and, and, and because the people see them as, as being illegal because uh, they're mind altering, etc. They, they sort of um, they don't want to go near it because they are good citizens of this world. But to what I'm going to show you um, in a legal country under unprofessional environments that, you know, people have found found recovery through doing magic mushroom ceremonies, doing ayahuasca ceremonies, smoking DNT. Yeah, I mean, you've got to you've got to push the boundaries sometimes to find to find to find the true path to recovery. And I, I got to go back with the first point. You know, everyone is unique in how they respond to to therapy. And 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 if I can make a, a really nice, powerful ninety-minute film showcasing that, then um, and, and and to spark discussion afterwards, that, that's the dream come true for me. Exactly, it's the spark and discussion, I think, as well, because as, as I said, so many people are walking around with sort of um, the challenges and they're trying to hide them, or as you said, they're, they're trying to medicate them. But it's important, I think, just to kind of get this kind of thing out in the open and talk about it. You yeah, know, totally. yeah, yeah, yeah. My I mean, own YouTube, issues, YouTube, I need to... Yeah, YouTube, yeah, YouTube's a good, YouTube's a good source for information, but I want to try and get it to any, any even wider audience, you know, I think, especially in Northern Ireland, you know, the, the, there's a few cases we're looking at in Northern Ireland here and yeah, massive problems. And after, after this lockdown's over, it's going to, the NHS, I mean, to be fair, the NHS are already um, stretched the limit before the lockdown happened with mental health cases, etc. They're going to be inundated when this lockdown's finished. Mm-hmm. Because the way I've looked at it, lockdowns are, you've, you've either really coped fine and okay with lockdown, or you've gone the opposite, the extreme opposite, where you've just not coped at all. I think even if, you, if, even if you've coped well, I think it has chipped away somewhere at your foundation pillars, if you know what I mean. Yeah, because you've kind of totally, totally agree. It's taken us to a place where things that you never thought were likely, yeah, not happen. So at the start of the year, um, I get emails from a lot, like a lot of market emails, and one of them's from Paper Chase. Would send me an email pretty much every. Do you know Paper Chase, the, sh- the fancy stationery shop? No, no, no. Um- <laughs> <laughs> I said it like you would know what I was talking about. There's a really paper fancy, chase. yeah, paper chase. So 
they were they, they were selling diaries so there, there was like a whole like a little newsletter about diaries welcome right. to my world anyway so one of the things was a, a a diary like a leather bound diary and it was black with gold letters on the front and it said anything is possible but i read it as anything is possible because this year 2020 anything is possible so right, you know, yeah. it's meant to be Alien, something positive dream big but no anything is possible so you know but, but that's the thing because you know if, if we could go back in time a year and say where do you hear this time next year you're gonna be you yeah. know we're on lockdown we're wearing masks we can't go to bar do you know what i mean all of that it just is like so far-fetched and so yeah. to me that has kind of chipped away at the and my brain will catastrophize a lot so i'll start with kind of like a small negative thought and it'll just snowball it out of control and now this has given me somewhere even further to go with that so the yep. point is I've recognized that the, my brain is doing that. And so once I feel that that's happening, I feel that dread, I'm able to go stop, no, yep. and then sort of focus on something. And I try to just stay in this week rather than further down the line. Um, yeah, yeah. But so anyway, even people who have, you know, done pretty well in lockdown, you yeah. know, for whatever reason, still that's there in there that, oh, yeah. you know, anything is possible. Totally. I also think that, people sort of they they shed different skins in their life you know for me i came back from iraq i was no longer the marty that left for iraq i was sort of marty mark ii and then when i went to afghanistan i came back and i was marty sort of mark three the model three kind of thing you sort of come you're never the same person when you when you go through experiences like that and this one this has been an experience you know this is we're all going to come out of this with different versions of ourselves you know and and, and to be fair it's been a massive um as, as a father of three kids it's it's been um an experiment with regards to you know strengths and limitations of all of us in the family you know when i believe you know if something it's not be too more what about this it's been a nice little, um, you know, uh, we're moving nice from that uh, comment there. It's not, it hasn't been nice. All I'm saying is it's been a, a, a experiments with regards to if something ever happened uh, more, you know, catastrophic, you know, sort of level, then I know from this experience what needs to be done with regards to my own family and, and preparation and, and um, what we could have done better, et cetera, and what we did really well and, I think um, it's been a, it's been a, an experiment for the better, really. And I, I like I like to extract positives out of everything, anyway. So for me, it's been a, a really um, interesting experiment. And um, yeah, yeah, it's been it's it's and I and even I include myself in that, you know, strengths and limitations. And see, that's the teacher of me. I never say weaknesses. There you go. There you <laughs> that go. That's why you've had all these careers. <laughs> well, here, so. Um, the film, sorry, the, the the short video that I watched about Cambo, yes, it's available on YouTube, or how can people find yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, uh, Viva, Viva Cambo NI. So he's, a, Viva he's a, Cambo. yeah, he's a practitioner. He's got a Facebook page called Viva Cambo NI, K A M B O, and uh, he's a lovely, good, lovely guy. I, um, yeah, I'm on a journey with him at the moment with this film, this documentary, and it's uh, yeah, it's never a dull moment with Tom. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been a fascinating journey from both um, from a human level and a, from a filmmaking level, from a professional level. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, we're not, we're not, we're not trying to preach. We're not trying to get all hippie with you and, 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 and you know, and, and get in your face with this stuff. All we're saying, all, all we're doing is presenting alternative treatments out there and to say, look, you know, give it a go because everybody's unique. You know, I know, I, I know some people who've tried Cambo once and never gone back, you know, it just wasn't for them. And Where can we see To Lose Control if people want to kind of see your journey through the EMDR? Oh, yeah, yeah. To Lose Control is now on YouTube. So if you search for To Lose Control, you will find it. It's on Vimeo as well, um, free to watch. Um, it's about 20, 22 minutes. Brilliant. Marty, thank you so much. Thank you for speaking so openly about something that's obviously incredibly yeah, yeah. personal and had been very traumatic. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and you can find me on IMDb as well. So, um, and if you're if you if you're a LinkedIn person, uh, you'll find me on LinkedIn. If you stalk me well enough, you will find me. Stalk the stalker. Stalk nobody stalks the stalker. Alrighty, Marty. Thank you so much. <laughs> no problem at all. Thanks for having me on. I'm so grateful to people like Marty who are willing to chat to me about their journey and 
share with us what's helped them. Give me a shout if you have a story you think might help other people as well. You can find me on Instagram at radio.kate. Remember, it's Kate with a C, radio.kate or at radio underscore Kate, C-A-T-E on Twitter. Or you can contact me through my website, which is kateconway.com. Remember, C-A-T-E. Life's short and we have to move on. So let's help each other out. <laughs>